A word of warning. This podcast may contain themes that some listeners might find distressing. Not always, but sometimes. However, this podcast will definitely contain strong language. Therefore, if neither of these things sound appealing, it's probably not the podcast for you then, is it? Hello and welcome to the Narcissist Ramblings podcast with me, the Narcissist Psychologist. Today's episode is the second half of a chat I had with author, men's mental health advocate and trainee holistic psychotherapist Alex Holmes. If you've not heard the first half of the chat, I suggest you stop listening to this one, like now, uh, and go back to the previous episode and have a listen. It will give a lot more context to to the discussion you're about to hear. In today's episode, Alex and I focus uh, a bit more on the here and the now in terms of what men can do to redefine masculinity. Uh, We discuss a whole host of things. Uh, We think about self-reflection and what men may need to do to examine whether they engage in toxic masculine behaviours. We talk about his book, which is great by the way, Uh, and we think about um, friendship and meaningful connections between men. I really enjoyed listening back to the to this half of the chat as I feel like there was um, there were some really helpful things for men to think about or even people who know men, which is very likely. Um, so this feels like a this, this felt like a really practical and useful chat, uh, which I enjoyed being a part of and listening back to, even if I do say so myself, and even though I do hate the sound of my own voice. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I hope I hope you find some value in what Alex and I have to say. Oh. Um, and as I said last time, <laughs> Alex has a much better microphone than I do, uh, so I very much apologise in advance for the poor sound quality from my side of the conversation. Uh, it usually seems to happen when I get really, really excited about something, which is quite often soz. Uh, so right, strap yourselves in. The discussion picks up right in the middle of a chat, uh, so there's no preamble. Uh, yeah, enjoy. So what can we do about masculinity in the here and the now? Like, what is it? What is possible for men now? You know, if there's potentially, you know, a man listening to this podcast or a a woman listening to this podcast who knows a man that maybe is trying to, you know, think a little bit differently about his life going forward. Maybe, you know, what could we do a little bit? uh, How can men do things differently now? So one of the questions that I was thinking about is, so we've talked a lot. So in, obviously in my previous podcast uh, episodes, I've talked a lot about the, the, you know, the toxic traits of masculinity, the toxic behaviors of masculinity. And these are all on a spectrum. They're not, you know, they're not necessarily at the very extreme end. There's things like, you know, violence, misogyny, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, all those things. But it's all on a spectrum. There are various different um, degrees of behaviors that men can engage in that could be sort of thought of as, as, as I guess, toxic. So, you know, from within your friend group to in your relationship to at work, all those kind of things. So one of the questions that I'm wondering about is how, how do men recognize if they've got toxic traits? Like what, what do you think men can do to sort of start to identify their own toxic traits or if they're engaging in toxic behavior, toxic masculine behavior? Um, how can they what can they do when they when they, when they recognize or to well, find suppose, out sorry, what i suppose to, i suppose to how to find out because i guess what would what we've kind of talking out. about is is we we're talking about men who have grown up in a culture that has rules that define how they live how they think how they act and all that kind of stuff and when you're in a culture you don't know that you're in a culture like i mean i think 
there's a metaphor or a simile or something like that that I read once that I'm going to absolutely butcher because I can't remember it. But it's something about fish don't realize they're in water. Mm. They just they're just in water. Like yeah. they that's the environment that they live in. That's their life. We, yeah. yeah, we know that they're in water because we don't live in water and we can identify that they're swimming around in water. But if you had to ask a fish about the water that they're swimming in, they'd be like, what do you mean? What water? This is just my life. So I guess the question is, if, you know, if somebody is wondering about whether they might be engaging in toxic masculinity or toxic masculine behaviors, what kind of things might they need to look out for? What kind of questions do you think they might need to start asking themselves? I think the question that I would ask, because I can really, I think, I think every man is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question I would, or I did begin to ask myself was, why does this not feel right? Okay. Am I causing harm? Mm-hmm. And is does is is this the right way for me okay. to be approaching this? Okay. So um, you started to have so you started to have questions about, I guess your the way actions. in which you were. Or, so was it about how you were doing manhood? Okay, lack of okay. a phrase, or so how you were expected to do manhood? An example. An example. Yeah. Um, I think the idea is really much about um, how we reflect on our behaviours as people, mm-hmm. right? So when I was around 16, 17, mm-hmm. um, and somebody must have come to the door and um, they must have asked for my sister. And I said, and I said, and my sister came to the door and I kind of did this thing which really dismissed her presence in the door, whereby I took, where she was saying something, and I cannot remember the specifics, so forgive me for the gray areas. Oh, that's right. But, yeah. but, uh, but she was, I was saying some, she was saying something, and I was just like, something along the lines of, no, 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 that's wrong. I'm gonna just, let me just do this, blah, 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 blah. blah. You mansplained. And I went, and, and I, I didn't even mansplain, I just said what she was saying was wrong. And I went and just kind of took over what she was okay. doing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And handled that, and quote, unquote, handled that situation. And I went, and I was fine. I obviously went and sat down and I just continued watching TV. Mm-hmm. She came up to me like half an hour later and was just like, can you not do that again? that she was 16 something and I think about it it was very very like when I think about this it was really high level like, conversation and she's like can you not do that again it was very dismissing um and it was very belittling for me um and I would appreciate it if you didn't speak to me like that especially in front of other people in that way and I was like okay cool Sorry, I did that. I had no idea what I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I was just like, sorry, I did that. I was like, I had no idea what I did. I, as far and I as guess, I was and I guess why, as, does that, why does that stand out for you? Right. As far as I was concerned, I was the older brother. So yeah. I'm just doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It stands out for me because we, because I've been, I was conditioned to take charge of things. And subconsciously in my mind, I'm thinking, my, no, my sister has no, capability of doing that why why do i think that she has no capability of doing that because i'm the fish in water and that is my um that is my environment i think that when we start and i'm not sure so now when we start to go through 
life and we start to kind of like interact with one another and experience one another we start to pick up all of these other little bits of mm-hmm. of, of stuff and I started to mm-hmm. recognize those little bits like um and it wasn't until I got to but, so that's called something carry on talking yeah. but that's actually uh, called that's a that's a psychological phenomenon that yeah so hang on okay. I've, I've written it down somewhere I'm just going to find out what it's called so carry on right. talking uh, yeah and so I was, I was I was connecting the dots with that mm-hmm. um the next thing then the next phase for me though was when I went to university and I started and I studied linguistics mm-hmm. and we studied hege- hegemonic linguistics and we started to see things around how much men interrupt women, women. so women oh, never okay. really get an opportunity to finish a sentence or a thought or yeah. or or, a, or an argument or an anything because mm-hmm. men will finish it cut through as you mentioned earlier mansplain and do all these other things so I started thinking about when did I when have I ever done that around women you know and and the psychological phenomenon is called the beta meinhof phenomenon or the frequency illusion so it's basically <clears throat> you can it's when you start to notice things that previously went unnoticed before so say for example um yeah. i always use the car i always use the example of the um uh the chrysler pt cruiser do you know the chrysler pt cruiser I know the Chrysler, yeah. So, so anyway, so Chrysler PT Cruiser is like a really weird fucking looking car where it's like really futuristic at the front, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's got this like weird bubble, like uh, it looks yeah. like a looks like a nineteen fifties cab at the back. It's such a weird yeah. car. Yeah. So anyway, I'd never seen one before, and then all of a sudden, I saw a PT Cruiser, and I was like, "Oh, that's a strange looking car." And then, literally, everywhere, all the time, driving down the road. PT cruisers everywhere. It's just a PT cruiser and a PT cruiser and a PT cruiser. And I guess that's that's what it is. It's it's when something is outside of your awareness, you don't notice it until you notice it the first time. And then because you've noticed it, you start to see it everywhere. And I guess what you were... So the reason I got very excited, because um, <laughs> one of the things I have had been toying around thinking about or talking about on my Instagram page was this idea of the the beta meinhof phenomenon or the frequency illusion as being one of the potential catalysts for um, trying to help men understand the impact of uh, male violence, male, male violence against women is because once you, once you, once you know something, you can't unlearn it. It's very hard to delete things from your awareness and your consciousness. Um, And so yeah, so I was trying to think about how this could be like a really pithy, clever psychological yeah. way to try and think about it. And actually, what you're describing this this first um, this encounter with your sister, where you did something which you just naturally thought was an everyday occurrence, um, she gave you feedback on it, and she said, yeah. "Actually, that's not cool," and it yeah. jarred your it your expectations of the reality yeah. with you in which you'd lived up to that point. And that's what, and and so my whole understanding <clears throat> was that I began to really reflect on my behaviors as a man, because, mm-hmm. and in relation to women solely mm-hmm. that no race makeup, no sexuality makeup, nothing, just, that, just yeah. and class, whatever. It's just just me being a man and whatnot. Then I started to notice behaviors among other men in my family or external to that, you know. Yeah a woman putting her drink down and, you know, a man probably picking it up without knowing that it was his drink. So just drinking it and I put it down and then um, someone go in there and be like, oh, who drank my drink? And then they'd be like, no one drank your drink. Your drink has always been there. 
Mm. And then it's this whole, there's again, the gaslighting feature. Yeah. My drink was full. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. And then there's this whole thing that goes on. Yeah. Rather than, rather than, and then the recognition that this person drank the drink, you could see it forming in their mind, but they're so already protective of their own flaws. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they know they can't say anything. Question their reality. Yeah. So you'd rather make somebody, you'd rather make the woman feel wrong than actually say that the that oh my gosh, I drank your drink by mistake. Yeah. Sorry, let me go pour you another one or did it, did it, you know. But mm-hmm. it was all of these things that you're so unconscious to because mm-hmm. you're just doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. So for me, it began, I, I started, started piecing all those things together and I started thinking to myself, okay, so how, like, how am I encountering the world? How am I engaging with the world if I don't, if I don't even fully understand how I'm interacting with the opposite sex mm-hmm. or differently gendered people? Or, you know, just really trying to navigate that as I go through, because, you know, so when I'm, so when I am took, so, you know, obviously linguistically, I, I understand when I hear like my other sisters talking about, like, you know, diminishing her opinion and all these different things and all these stuff that's kind of been put on her. And I'm just like, no, say what you want to say, finish, finish your sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm giving you the, like, I'm not even giving you the room, like the room is there for you to speak I'm not trying to step in and do all of that so it's just really it's just really trying to understand that so I don't know if that helps but the idea is look around and begin to reflect on what how we interact and I think and I think that like you know that that ties in pretty much to to one of the things that I was um trying to think about is that I guess it's really hard if you don't know you don't know and it's kind of hard for uh, an individual man to just kind of maybe think about everything that he's doing um, being either like not harmful or harmful or, or in line with, um, you know, sort of toxic masculine traits or not. And I suppose one of the things that <clears throat> I was thinking about might be that men might need to do is to take feedback or ask for feedback. And, that, and, and, and I say that in with caution because I think, <sighs> men potentially will then open themselves up to having, I guess, this kind of veil of ignorance sort of, you know, um, whipped away uh, from their awareness. Because if they ask the question, if they say, for example, to any women in their life or to any sort of, you know, um, other men who maybe they treat uh, less favorably um, about sort of, you know, do I do anything that is harmful? Is there anything about my behavior that is I guess sexist or homophobic or any of these you know awful things you know that puts them in a pretty vulnerable position to receive some pretty harsh feedback um even men who aren't so say that again if they they don't have the resilience to withstand that sort of yeah yeah yes but at the same time I would imagine that any man who is willing to ask those questions would hopefully be kind of in a place to maybe hear that. I would. I'm. I'm just imagining that somebody who doesn't even want to ask the question or doesn't even think that it applies to him is is probably not um, not in a would wouldn't receive that kind of feedback favorably or be uh, willing to ask the question in the first place. My, I'm I mean, one example. One final example is I was in my. As I said, I'm training as a psychotherapist I was in my course the, the previous weekend mm-hmm. and I must have presented something as a question 
mm-hmm. like around practice and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a resounding disagreement, but there was reasons for the disagreement. And I was okay. I was open to hearing all the disagreements because it helped me think about my process and get that mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Um, as you well know, the therapeutic practices are predominantly women and mm-hmm. in some cases, predominantly white women, but mm-hmm. predominantly women. And yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was just like, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. I was, just, I was just taking in the feedback, I was understanding what was happening. And then one of them was like, oh, I, I hope you're not offended. I hope it didn't offend you. With it. And I'm like, offending me being offended is not your problem number one if I'm if I'm offended I have the right to be offended but at the same time it's not your problem I know I'm not offended I'm in a group of people who are sharing their their perspective and their experience with a particular thing and I understand that so I'm going to take that away and think about what I need to do in order Mm -hmm. like and or the way I address something or address a particular Mm -hmm. thing whether I'm offended shouldn't really matter to you no or not in a sense you know but of course yeah yeah, yeah. of course, yeah, of, course yeah, yeah. of course have concern for the person or whatnot but what yeah, you deliver asked, the, what you, to, what you deliver asked the feedback lastly yeah. exactly whatever you asked was not offensive like but you but you merely asking a question of me felt offensive those are the those are the mechanics and those are the deep mechanics of mm-hmm. patriarchy and whatnot yeah, and, yeah. You know? so that's that's kind of that's kind of so, where i sit with it so, so actually you've highlighted the second thing so firstly you need to have a man who's willing to um maybe look a little bit um at himself uh, right. to maybe re-examine his masculinity the way in which he understands masculinity maybe starting to ask himself the questions of you know um how much do my values and the way i live my life align with hegemonic masculinity or align with the man box you know how much mm-hmm. how much do i strive to be strong and tough or how much do i believe that boys don't cry how much do i believe that um you know men are inherently built to be sexually promiscuous etc so you know maybe starting to ask those questions then trying to find somebody then i guess being willing to put himself out there and find somebody to to give him feedback about his behavior towards other people so that's kind of one and two the third thing you'd need is somebody who is willing to give that feedback but honestly and transparently, and obviously, like you were saying, with a with a degree of of compassion and um, d- delivering it in the right way. Because yeah. I guess the last thing you need is somebody to just fully lay into your horrible. This is just you know, like it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like a character bashing session. Obviously, right. that's not that's not helpful in any shape or form, is it? Like being told you're absolutely shit is not what somebody's asking for. Um, but I suppose, so I guess that then factor, I guess that's another factor that men might need to think about if they are willing to explore. It's like, who can I get the feedback from in a way that is actually helpful and constructive? Um, but what's, but also, I, I also think about what's going to challenge me the most. Yeah. But, you know, but obviously that's a, that is a conversation around, I mean, fragile egos and whatnot. And there's so many yeah. different things, but I always look at it and I think to myself, what's going to challenge me the most? What's going to help me start to think differently and feel differently about this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, it's why, this is why I ask a question around masculinity to a lot of women, because I want to know what they experience about mm-hmm. that. And, and, and they want to know what, what is going on sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm always interested as to figuring that out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's important for sure. For sure. Um, but also, I I, I want to say that the one human thing I think is that is missing is concern. 
Mm-hmm. It's just genuine concern for the another another person, and I feel like I feel like between men and among men, there's that lack of concern. Um, that there's a lack of concern between one another because when it comes to feedback, it's always a transactional thing. It's always mm-hmm. a you do this for me so because I I'm this, yeah. X, or I can do this for you, and all this different stuff. Rather than I'm genuinely concerned as to how you got here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would love for that to be a thing. And way and, 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 I'm, you know, and I'm worried and I'm worried about the I'm, direction in which you're heading. And I'm worried about that direction because as and that is quite paternal, but also at the same time, sometimes that's kind of what's required. Necessary reason, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. But um who does this very well and writes this very well is Yan Hanya Yanagihara, who wrote the book A Little Life. But she's written a book to par- called To Paradise. That's her recent book. It's just, okay. She likes writing tomes of a book. The book is yeah. like 800 pages. And a Little like, Life. Oh. Is that that really heavy book really that like if, if, if everyone, if everyone like, you know, shows it on Instagram, it's like, oh my God, this is, yeah. this is, a, this is a heavy read. Yeah. I think yeah, I know what you're talking about. The, the book, the book stripped me raw and made me think a lot about <laughs> things. Right. And it was a, it was a very That's an endorsement for a book. Anyway, yeah. But it's very good. Do you know what was mm. the endorsement, Daniel? was when I went to buy it in the shop and then the sales <laughs> assistant looked at me and said, oh, and I, that was it. Or when, or when I'm stopped in the street holding the book and they're like, oh my God, how are you? And I'm like, oh what God. do you mean? How am I? This is it's a book. time for, it's but, time for an emotional check-in. Are you okay? Time, how are you doing? Yeah. And, you know, in that book specifically, mm. she writes very, very, she writes men very well. Okay. Um, but also, but in this, in this current book, in this latest book, sorry, is that um, obviously no spoilers, but there is a very, very specific um, level of masculine concern mm-hmm. that I have never experienced in real life. First of all, okay. but I know that I know that it's I know that I know that it's you know prevalent in some mm-hmm. in some communities and some families and so on. But I've not experienced that level of concern. But there is a level. Of, but, but that's why when I when I was re- reading it alongside with my friend, and we were thinking, we're just like we this level of concern is not something that is as widespread as we should be able to do it as a community of people you know have that level of concern be able to sit down and as a manager speak to your staff as a father be able to speak to your children as a Mm. partner being able to speak to your partner you know what I mean like or just as a regular person out on the street like just have a level of concern for one another and this is why we had all of these con um these conflicts with regards to say covid and um you know just like everybody's just running around looking after themselves and like well no one's really concerned about one another when you actually are concerned it helps and i suppose i guess this ties in quite nicely to your book really because i suppose you're talking about concern and you're talking about um um having holding somebody else in mind holding somebody else's needs in mind um to make sure that they're okay and checking out that they're okay and I suppose in your book, A Time to Talk, you, there's three things that you sort of focus on. Um, I think I think you focus on them because from what I can take from it, it's it's kind of the things that you think are missing from um, relationships, you know, between men, between men and women. So the things that are the things that make it difficult. No, that's not what I'm that's not what I'm trying to say. The things that kind of um, make the current manhood scripts what they are so you sort of highlight that 
love, belonging and connection are three of the things that you think would be helpful that if we added them into you know oh, this this yeah. yeah so if we add that into our conceptualization of masculinity going forward if we were able to um, understand that men can love and are deserving of love that we believe that men um that no man isn't an island and that actually belonging to the human race or belonging to a community or belonging to a family is actually really important to men and that actually making human connections between people is actually something that maybe might um, sort of tip this kind of current masculinity on its head. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that our our problem is that we don't know how to relate to one another. <laughs> you know, we really don't know how to relate to one another. And that's one of the big psychological problems of this, of this time. Right. That's interesting. Cause I think, what would you say to a man who might be listening to this? Mm-hmm. And, and this is something that I've had to think very carefully about in my previous podcast episode was, uh, was about this um, issue of, of connection and relation of uh, the, relationships between men because there might be there might be some men listening to this going i know how to relate to men mm-hmm. you know we watch football together we go down to the pub and we have some beers and we get on and i have i have a group of friends what might you say to that okay that sounds that sounds fun but <laughs> are you like are you is it you know there's a, there's a very key story in my book about you know a man who lost his best friend best friend you know and obviously that's not really a title that you can kind of give lightly or and when you say lost it was was, was, yeah lost yeah his friend his friend took his his life didn't he yeah his friend took his life died by suicide Mm. and um and he lost his friend but they didn't know they didn't know he would go to we go to the pub they would talk about football they would do all this stuff before he was fine and then he wasn't um i had this conversation with my dad yesterday i was just like well there's this, all of these conversations that we can be having but this is but all of but when, when when we're not getting to the depth of it we're not actually looking each other in the eye and speaking about what is going on you know um so many people i think you see it in so many popular culture films or just news stories or just things like that oh man lost his wife died of cancer or whatever just that's a very morbid thing but, <laughs> but then their friends would be like i didn't know sheila had cancer you didn't tell yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we oh, thought she was fine but she was fine all of this stuff now there's this whole thing and um like men like men don't it's it's hard because it, it's hard to say that a lot of men don't feel like they relate to they feel like they relate when there is something to externally relate to yeah. so yeah, yeah oh you like football i like football what team do you support uh okay well at least yeah. we both like football there's that yeah, but exactly if a man who you know presents as like you know straight or whatever heterosexual um cisgendered etc is to encounter a person of color who is queer or whatever um immediately there's this lack of relatability mm-hmm. on the surface already mm-hmm. and there's no no there's no deeper inquiry 
as to that's another man I'm a man let's have a conversation let's have a conversation about being men what is your experience oh you know and you will learn something you will learn something about that and what it is my friend has my friend has a has a podcast um called a culture made of algorithms and he has an episode on there um and it's about homo uh it's about not homogeneity but it was homo socialization okay. and about having those friends who you know men having large large percentage of male friends but they're all of the same they look exactly ilk. the same yeah they all they, they went to the same school they all play the same foot they've got the same football team and con- they yeah. go to the same pub they right. are literally exactly the same person right yeah right right and this is what i'm saying so but when you start to add in the different kind mm. of elements that make that pot so you will see probably see like a group of say you know you have a group of five friends who go to the pub every week and whatnot, and then four of them are white and one of them's black, but they've never spoken to this black man about race. Yeah. Ever. But you know him, but you've yeah. never spoken to him about race or about what he has to go through on a day-to-day basis. So when he's talking to you about race now, it makes you all uncomfortable. Yeah. And you don't want and you just think and you just think, oh, that's not to do with us. That's not to do with us. But are you a friend then? <laughs> like, do you know what I'm saying? Are yeah. you relating to that man? Because he is clearly relating to you as a man and you all relate to each other as men so why, and, um, is he, why are you not relating to him on his level of masculinity and ex- or, or just or just not even and, and i suppose not even on that or not even on that level so like so level. so I, I will tell you that your book was a bit of a slap in the face for me for about um about relating to my friends and and how my what my friendships are like I have I have very I have very dear friends. I just don't see them very often, and I don't very I don't talk to them hardly ever. <laughs> and yet they're my friends, which is just ridiculous, isn't it? Like, I think um, I've got a handful of friends that I went to university with. Yep. I haven't spoken to them in months. Um, the the most connection I have with those friends is the occasional like and comment on a on an Instagram photo or a Facebook photo. I have friends, but they're but they but uh, when I when I say they're dear friends, I mean they're dear friends, as in like I would do anything for them. I just apparently don't ever speak to them, weirdly. Um, right. And then I have another group of friends who uh, I made when I moved to this country. Um, again, similarly. I uh, maybe speak to them once or twice a week, but on Facebook Messenger, not WhatsApp, by the way, Facebook Messenger. Mm. And there it's like we share memes and shit. That's it. Like yeah. that's <laughs> but they are my close friends. And that's why I wanted to ask you the question of so if if somebody sitting here or listening to this podcast, a, a man says, I have I have friends. Uh, what are you talking about? I know how to relate. There's th- that's relating, isn't it? So that's that basic surface level relating. And if any of my friends are listening to this podcast, uh, you know, I I do intend to change things a little bit from here on out. But also at the same time, um, I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to undermine the the basis or the foundation of our friendship because we used to live together. We used to do so many things together. It's just obviously our our. Um, paths in life have have um have gone slightly have gone different ways so we just don't catch up a lot um but <clears throat> one of one of my one of my friends in in that friendship group is is black and what you were saying about um how have we ever 
sort of taken on the like the, the example that you were just giving about four four men at a table and one black uh, one black person and asking that uh, black person about his experiences we uh the there's four of us we went to where do we go we went to newcastle and mm. every every time we go out we always go to like an indie rock band like okay. nightclub or like you know um somewhere that will play the killers or things like that that type of nightclub and he comes with us all the time like and he just goes with us to these places to these typically white indie rock plays the killers plays um i can't even think of any you know block party all those kind of stuff and the one day i can't even remember why but i said to him i said is there anywhere you want to go and he was like no no i'm fine i was like no, I know you said, but like, do you, you come with us and we just naturally assume that you come with us to these places, which are typically, you know, of our race and all that, like, you know, it's, it's music for, for our particular demographic, which is not to say that a black person can't like indie rock music because he obviously does and he likes it, but it's not, he is, he is essentially in a sea, he is, you know, in, in a room full of people, he is you know, maybe one of a handful of black people in that room, but he just, he just comes with us because he's our friend. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that you are quite right. We never, as friends, we have never really kind of explored with him his music tastes or had a discussion with him about going to like a nightclub that he might enjoy more than us and us being the ones to actually say you know you know let's let's go let's go let's go to where you want to go but we've never done that and that is and that is sorry i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying and i hear what you're saying and i wouldn't i would say that's something to that's something to observe yeah sure also he has a responsibility as well about what that what his own kind of interaction yeah. is in that kind of socialization too absolutely yeah but, at the same, but, but you're but it's right i think the, I think the wider question what you were asking yeah. though, is about men and friendships and i think that what i think that it's very difficult for men to make and have long-lasting friendships because in a typical heterosexual marriage or relationship it's the women who hold the emotional relationships of the family the parties the godparents the, the christmas cards the presents the, the, the blah, 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 all the stuff all that the women, stuff, yeah. the women tend to hold men tend to men tend to lose their friends or they get there's this little wall that goes up that says fatherhood across it yeah. and they basically then go behind that wall and they have to spend most of their time with their family and their family an extended family and then you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh my God, you're slapping that, me. You're honestly, stop hitting me with the stop hitting me with the real life truth. <laughs> you know, Daniel. Sometimes you know, like I, I've said. Sometimes you a need a mirror. You sometimes need a, a mirror to hold up and and have a look at your life, don't you? Stay here for a reason. I just have to pull <laughs> that nice piece of glass out. But at the same time, no, it's time, fair. No, it's fair. What you're time, saying is true. I, and what I observed because what the way the way where that came from for me was that I looked at it and I said to, and I oh and. I, I said to myself, when I saw my own dad and I thought to myself, I got to an age and I was like, where are your friends? Mm. Like your actual friends. There's people you know, 
where are your friends? How come I've grown up and thought, oh, my dad, this is my dad's best friend. They are buddies. Like, da, 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 da. It happens. I'm not saying it's very, very, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen with men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, but because men do have these really close relationships depending on their own socialization and stuff. But in, in the main, the conversations I'm hearing and the conversations that I've collated and spoken to people about, there isn't that. It's their wife or partner's friends that they are that they are kind of around or their partners if they're in a heterosexual relationship it's their wife or partner's husbands the yeah. other dads or whatever yeah. and then they become friends because they're already in a social circle but then mm-hmm. what happens when you have a divorce what happens when you become a widower mm-hmm. what happens when you know when those things happen those little those real dark hard parts of life those friends those friends that were part so in, in a divorce it's harder because obviously the, the relationships kind of go with the mum that way mm-hmm. but where were your friends where's your community so you gotta start all of that again you're alone your kids are not with you typically yeah. you know or, re- or reconnect with those friends that you know you had when you're a widower it's hard exactly yeah. when you're when you're widower it's hard for those friends to connect with you because they're like oh it's a bit sad that he's dead. That, 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 that oh yeah, he's alone but, now. Oh god, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the emotional load that those friends would need yeah. to hold for uh, for for, like, for somebody well, that's lost his wife? What, what Jesus Christ, we, they wouldn't know what to do what there, do would do? they? What do we do now? Do we go see him? Do we talk to him? Do we mention right. the wife? Do we not mention oh. the wife? Do we talk about sports? What should we do? Yeah. Fucking hell. Do we send? Do we send the wife over and then she can yeah. do the yeah. thing? So yeah. it becomes all of that stuff, and I, and that's and that's where I was just really kind, and that's where I started to really think about how we relate to one another because we I and I made it a very intentional thing for me to have my own group of friends um that I've couldn't because me I'm I'm and I'm the kind of person that is very much like I would love to I want friends who I can kind of bring with me Mm -hmm. for life through life I want to be Mm -hmm. I want to learn with them I want to love with them I want to like feel lost with them I want to have those experiences so I hold my friendships quite closely and I make sure that my university friends I see as often as I can, speak to as often as I can. And then my more recent everyday friendships, the, the, the depth of them are very particular. And, you know, and then, and then the new friends and the new connections and the new communities that I'm building, I'm making sure that they're there for me to be able to have that depth and understanding and be able and comfort. But it's like, I don't, it, it can't just be a tangible, it can't just be like yeah. a, a light, interaction with me for example and that's just how I've kind of built and developed myself as I've gone forward because I'm yeah. I, as 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 the like the last part of that book is it's connection I want to make sure that I'm connecting with the people mm. that I'm with and I think that's mm. important and I think that that's what happens when a lot of when we go through these really deep and dark uh, moments because it is a crisis of masculinity um of masculinity not the masculine crisis I guess a crisis yeah. of masculinity um where you know men are alone or feel that they are alone because of this real need and want to connect with people but not know how or not feel that it's right to do so so when you have those two things splitting your your kind of emotional world I don't know if you agree with that but when you have these two things put in your emotional world you then end up quite lonely and when you end up quite lonely that leads you down a path of so many different yeah different yeah. different results and things. no you are no you are right I think, um i think yeah i think as men we are 
again, it's that, you know, I'm just thinking about those rules of the man box of the, the idea of, you know, men being stoic and men being strong and men being tough and all those kind of things. And I think, you know, it's, it creates this environment where we feel like we, not that we don't need other people, but that we shouldn't need other people, if that makes sense, that we should be able to manage all the things that we have in our lives by ourselves yeah. that we should that we are the captain of our own ship and we should be able to steer it and that anybody else that comes along is baby maybe just a visitor as opposed to a a passenger along the journey yeah um but i guess I'm I'm very conscious of the time by the way so i guess i'm oh. going to uh, i think i might i think i might just ask one more question okay and then we'll um i think we'll maybe wrap up there if that's all right just cuz I've uh, kept you a lot longer than the original hour. <laughs> oh, I was, I mean, I'm involved in the conversation. So, it's okay. so I guess, so I guess thinking about what you've said in terms of um, what you, what you've said about how you, you're intentional about your friendships. You're intentional about the people that you keep around you. You're intentional about, you're intentional about the, the interactions that you have with them. You don't just, from what I gathered is that you don't just have, um, interactions on a superficial level like if you're going to see your friends if you're going to have your friends if you're going to meet with your friends you're going you're going to see them for a purpose and that purpose is connection right <clears throat> so aside from reading your book which would obviously be a very good way for men to learn how to do this because i think it's a very good book i learned there were quite a lot of things that i learned about myself and made me think about how i um even as a psychologist, it, it's sort of, you know, there were things that it, it made me think about in terms of my, as I was saying, and especially in relation to my friends. Um, so apart from reading your book, what do you think would be a good starting point for, for men who are listening to this podcast to kind of do, um, to, to kind of get to where you are with your sort of connection? I know it's a big yeah, question. Where am I? I know it's a, a question. I have no idea. <laughs> Where am existentialism? Where so, am I? <laughs> I guess it's the and I know and I know you and I know that you you know you can't answer for every man and all that kind of stuff, no, but I guess just as a not. just as a starting um, point. I guess where to get to to get what deeper emotional connection. Mm. I think that I would always say therapy first. Therapy mm -hmm. is always helpful. Yeah. Um, men's groups that mm -hmm. are actually kind of going in and really helping you kind of un un uncover those those parts of you. Um, but yeah, therapy is very, very, very um, has been very influential for me in kind of curating and helping me deepen my emotional world and life. Um, I read a lot. Bell Hooks is very amazing. Is amazing. I've never read any. Start. I really, really want um, to. Yeah, read um, the will to change. Mm -hmm. That's literally quite a seminal text on masculinity, um, and um, all about love. From 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 Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks. Yeah. All about love and the world to change, and that's if you're so inclined to read okay. those things. Because yeah, I'll pop those is, in there. I'll pop those in the, the, the text about, as well. 
all about love explains love in an, in in a way that is not like the airy fairy view in which love has been presented to us throughout time like the, the traditional rom-com right it's, way. Yeah, yeah. Not. it's about looking at love as an action looking at love as a community focus looking at love as a as a as a spiritual practice as really kind of going forward and then kind of again it's that where this i think it's where the idea of concern comes from and whatnot mm-hmm. but um and the will to change is understanding what the what the systems are in order for you to then make the choice to make that change we all have the choice it's whether we have the will to do that it's hard yeah. work mm-hmm. you know? um so yeah and i think because you're, what you're asking is how do you become more vulnerable yeah and exactly and, and i think I, and i think I you're right it's, it's so many different there's so many different resources you've got the brene browns of these stuff you're going to mean that he's really sat down and, and done a whole book on vulnerability right yeah. but daring greatly is her is her book and um and the myths and the gifts of imperfection but and i think and i think you've i think what well, i think sort of towards the end that you've kind of really nailed the the nailed it on the head is that so there are things that one can read. There are things that one can, so there's therapy that you can go to. There's men's group that you can go to. There's books that you can listen to. And I'm sure all of these, um, you know, Brené Brown's got podcasts and all these kind of things. And, and I think there's, there's lots of stuff that people can actively do, but I guess what you're, what I've taken from a bit that you said towards the end is that there's this willingness that men need to get to really. And um, there is this, <sighs> I guess a willingness to be vulnerable and a willingness to, and I don't necessarily like, uh, you know, uh, I've heard, I've heard like willingness to be vulnerable sort of bandied around a lot on social media. And it's a bit of a, it can be a bit of a catch all phrase and a bit of a sort of um, uh, buzzword. But I think, I think, I think it, I think it does require that. I think it does require that introspection into how you're living your life at the moment and a willingness to a willingness to sort of be brave enough to try something different and to hear different perspectives yeah and to it's a level of maturity that a lot of men aren't actually like haven't actually been given the opportunity Mm. to get to yeah um or or maybe even are aware of that they have that option i think because i suppose you know maybe what we're doing is we're making a lot of assumptions that people have an awareness that uh, it's a choice to be different whereas maybe m- maybe for many many men it's it's possibly not they maybe don't know that there is a different way to be a man um and i guess you know i guess m- m- what i understand about the work that you do and the reason that you do it is potentially to try and create a more of a uh, create a, a greater awareness that there are different there is a different way to be a man. There's no one right way to be a man. There's no, you know, s- script that fits all. Because I think that's where a lot of the problems come from, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We need to understand masculinities. Yeah, masculinities, plural. Yeah. Um, and in this book, The History of Masculinity, with Ivan Jablonka's book, which, I'll, which I'm sure you will link um, mm-hmm. going forward, he sets out the intention 
to create a men's, a male new deal, a gender new deal for men as an, as an ethic and as a way of then moving forward, kind of knowing what's right and what's wrong and understanding how to have that interrogation um, in order to then create greater gender justice and interaction. Because once we know what is right and what is wrong, what is accepted and what is unaccepted, unacceptable, and we can kind of just, and know that it doesn't inhibit any of our freedoms, it just helps us become more free at the end of the day, then it's all good generally like yeah. like when you think about you know when you think about it it doesn't it doesn't do much for us to just be better people in general yeah no, like, no. Like, like across the spectrum of your oppression <clears throat> of your oppression and what we're just better people within certain things just yeah wouldn't happen in the ways that we that yeah witness them to happen and i think um uh sort of on top of what you're talking about have you read have you read humankind I've got it sitting on my shelf yeah. looking at me right now. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a heft of a book, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is quite a chunky tome. Yes. Um, but um, but I guess it kind of, it, it, it speaks a little bit to what you were saying about, um, you know, we, we, we have this, I think there's a common misunderstanding or common understanding maybe, um, but, it's, but it is a misunderstanding that um, we're all inherently bad people but we just put on a veneer of civility in order to get by and get along. But actually um, that, that whole book is dedicated to turning that idea on its head. And actually we are, we are primarily um, good, decent human beings. Um, we just need to not necessarily believe it, but I guess what we need to do is, is uncover and find out what, what it is or why it is that we are doing some of the horrible things that we do and actually that that's not a predetermined destination. We don't have to carry on down that pathway. We can actually, if we, if we know, if we know what we're doing wrong and we are of the understanding that actually we can do things differently because inherently that's more what we're inclined to do as opposed to being evil and violent and horrible. Mm. Um, we can just do that then instead. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. I feel like that's a very good point to end on. Yeah. Find out what you're doing wrong and do it differently <laughs> and better. <laughs> essentially. Essentially. You know, and just in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. Find out what you're doing wrong and just be just better. Do just do it differently. Be better. Be kinder. Be nicer. Don't be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and don't and don't defend the indefensible, you know? It's just really weird. It's strange. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So we haven't managed to cover everything that uh, was on the list, but I feel like we've had uh, a really good conversation, Alex. So um, I guess I want to say thank you very much again for taking the time to come and talk to me. Um, and just before we end, do you just want to tell people where they can find you, um, where they can sort of uh, look you up and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, by Alex Holmes, B Y Alex Holmes, H O L M E S. Um, I am figuring out what I post on there. <laughs> I I change every. Six yeah, months. I I've seen I've seen your I've seen your um your Instagram page goes under uh 
um, quite a bit of changes and iterations, yeah, doesn't it? Because under rehabilitation yeah. every so often, yeah. because it's like. Yeah, but I, 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 I like what you're. I like what you're doing now. You're sort of you're sort of writing, um, little, I guess thoughtful, Thoughts, existential yeah. questions ideas. and bits like that. Yeah, I think yeah, it's good ideas. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I go in there, um, and that's kind of where the bulk of the community is. Um, mm-hmm. Um, you've got a website as well. Time to talk, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, podcast is time to talk. Um, regardless. when's that coming back, by the way? I know it's on hiatus at the moment, uh, or is that not a in. good question? <laughs> that'll be back on. That'll awkward. I'll be, <laughs> be back in, uh, not so that'll be back in the summertime, okay. Now that's very vague. That'll be back. Um, <laughs> at any point, in the, at any point between the four months that is summer. That'll be back between three months. That is summer. Um, it is under. It is. Un, it was going under construction. Under reconstruction. Okay. Under construction. Okay. Um, while I just figure out um, direction, there'll be quite a few changes. It's going to be a bit more dynamic. And yeah, I'm hoping to get that all under underway by um, by the summertime. Um, cool. So yeah, that's basically when that's coming back. Um, but yeah, feel free to go through all of the all of the hundred and eighty odd episodes that are available. Um, there are many there, guys. <laughs> so, um, lots to catch up on. Outside of that, yeah, the, my website is alexholmes.co, and I've got a Substack newsletter, um, which is an interview which where I interview writers about writing and mental health and various other things on there. So you'll find that all on the website. Um, and then obviously there's your book. So a and time to talk. Yeah. What's the full yeah. title? Time to talk. How men think about love, belonging, and connection. Okay. Um, and uh, it's in all available book places that you yeah. could ever possibly want. I submitted. I submitted my uh, Goodreads rating not long ago after oh, having read thank it. Thank you. Solid thank five you stars from me, mate. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much, friend. No worries. Um, but yeah, like yeah, so just hit me up, man. I'm just I'm about I'm <laughs> I'm usually on these internet streets like lurking because <laughs> lurking, are, lurking and uh changing the changing the ideas of masculinity one the, podcast, one post one, at a time. One post, one podcast at a time. And um internet's a weird place, so I try to stay away from it as much as possible. <laughs> but I am I'm there. <laughs> I'm around. So you like to stay away from it, but that's also where people can find you. So a nice that's little paradox it. there. But I'm there. Absolutely. I'm there. <laughs> but I'm also aware that it's a strange place. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's where you can find okay. me. That's where you can find Okay, cool. Um, All right, Alex. Well, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, I'll chat to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye. Bye. There you go. That is the wisdom and the reflections of Mr. Alex Holmes. Um, I don't know about you, but I do really admire Alex's reflective capacity and that his automatic approach to thinking about men's issues is with compassion, uh, which always seems to be at the forefront of his inquiry and curiosity about these things. On that basis, it was a real honour to speak to him and I do hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation too. Um, Having said that, I would very much enjoy uh, having Alex back to pick his brain a little bit further about things because something we didn't get to talk about in this episode was about future men. So the future generations of boys and young men who are growing up in what I feel like is a bit of a culture shift in terms of masculinity. 
Um, on that note as well, I've recently listened to a podcast by Gemma Styles called the In- Good Influencers Podcast, uh, and she was having a discussion with somebody called Ben Hurst uh, about toxic masculinity. And in his day job, uh, Ben Hurst works with uh, boys and young men, I think, uh, to think about gender roles and I guess the influence of, of masculine and, and feminine gender roles on on them and people around them. So he might also be somebody uh, who to, who would be a good guest to have on. Um, but having said that, I would still recommend listening to uh, that particular episode uh, because it is a good one. So yeah, that's it for this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, please do subscribe and rate this podcast on whatever platform uh, you're listening to it on. Uh, ratings and leaving comments really do help others, uh, other potential listeners in deciding as to whether this is a good or a shit show. <laughs> um, also... Uh, if you would like and if you're so inclined please, please spread the word on social media and tag me in that shit uh, it's always humbling to know that you lot are recommending me to your friends and family and uh, if you, and if your account isn't private I will uh, usually say hi uh, so yeah any feedback of that kind would be greatly appreciated as always you can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, and you can also get hold of Alex on his Instagram account Um, And if you want, let us know your thoughts on the episode or anything that uh, we might have discussed either in this episode or the previous one, or just come say hi. Okay. Uh, Until next time, have a good day or not, whatever, no pressure. (laughs) Cheers.